0: Welcome back to the Not Rich Yet podcast where we have discussions on all things money, entrepreneurship and leadership to help you uncover opportunities to build wealth in ways that are meaningful to you. I'm your host, Jasmine Sukmanen. I'm a financial journalist and I have over six years of experience in the media industry. We are nearing the middle of January. And that means this podcast is already three weeks old and we're kind of already making some waves. As a reminder, we're kicking off the year with a series of episodes dedicated to finally starting your business this year. Last week, we aired an episode with Jess Coleman, the founder of Huckleberry Creative. She talked to us about starting a business while working your nine to five job. Then we learned how to set up our businesses for financial success from day one, using tips from Taylor Bizzoli, a professional bookkeeper and founder of Bookkeeping Brunette. This week, we're back with another fantastic guest. We're speaking to Annie Leal. She's the founder of I Love Chamoy, a company that specializes in bringing a sugar-free, carb-free twist on a classic Mexican condiment to the market social media has been a key element for her growth and sales. That's actually how I discovered Annie. I found her product in a TikTok video one day, and I've been following her journey ever since. Her business has over 250k followers on TikTok and almost 30k followers on Instagram. Today, Annie joins us to share her business journey and give some tips for posting and growing on social media
1: for your business.
0: Annie, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here.
0: I'm very excited to have you. So I would love to start off by, let's just talk a little bit about chamoy. What is chamoy? What are traditionally the ingredients used and how do you consume it?
1: Of course, chamoy is a sweet and spicy Mexican candy sauce. I was born and raised in Mexico, so I grew up loving chamoy my entire life. Traditionally, it is mostly enjoy over fruits and vegetables, but a lot of people put it over popcorn, chips. Um, you can rim a beer glass or a seltzer with it as well. It just, if you took Mexican candy and made it a sauce, that's exactly what chamoy would be.
0: Awesome. And what was that sort of? inflection point for you that really inspired you to start your Jamoy business?
1: So I, you know, I, I think I've always had the entrepreneurship bone in me, but it, it really what kind of got it activated was I was visiting my parents and my dad has been diagnosed with diabetes for a couple of years. And he, what I truly admire about my dad is he immediately made lifestyle, lifestyle changes so he could be here for for my sister, my mom and me. And it was common knowledge that my dad had this like cabinet in the kitchen that was like his spot. And he had all his like sugar-free candies and all his like special treats. And I opened up the cabinet because I was looking for something to like snack on. And I see all these sugar-free candies, all these American candies, right? Delicious, but you know, we were born and raised in Mexico. I I saw the Jolly Ranchers. I saw the Reese's Cups, the Hershey's, all sugar-free, very clear on the package. And I didn't find any sugar-free Mexican candy. And I thought that was so weird. And I remember standing in the kitchen and asking my dad and being like, why don't you have anything sugar-free Mexican candy? He's like, Mika, I can't find it. And in that moment, it was like a light bulb. And I, I went to my room, I did research. I could not believe that he hadn't found an option that he could, you know, safely consume. And the next day I had made up my mind that I was going to try to make it for him. And then from there it took into, into becoming a business.
0: I feel like that's really a testament to that, like age old phrase, you know, necessity is the mother of invention, right? Like When you can't find options that you need for yourself, a lot of times that entrepreneurial piece of you is telling you, well, you know what, I'll just create it myself then.
1: Exactly. And it also kind of took me back to when I was younger and I'm, you know, anybody with a Mexican dad or a Latino dad could probably relate that if you needed something and they couldn't find it, they would just invent it for you. So I think that this was kind of coming full circle and, and me having a small moment to do something for my dad. And you know, I don't think any of us imagined that it would then turn into what it is, but we're happy it did.
0: I love that so much. And so when you decided to get this business started, what did your day one look like? Like what were some of the first couple of things that you had to do in order to really get things off the ground?
1: The real day one, and I have told this story a couple times and I don't think people fully believe it, but I was—I just had no idea where to start. Like it truly was like, I have an idea, but like it's either gonna stay in me forever or or what am I gonna do? And I woke up the next day and I had, I had talked to my, you know, I had i been questioning my mom and my dad about it you were, you know, where do you guys buy these candies? Where, like, what can my dad have? What can, like, what can he have? And surprisingly, they were, like, encouraging about uh, about the, the idea. Like, I, thought I had a full-time job. There was no reason for me to, you know, try to start a company that had nothing with my background experience. But they were encouraging. So the next day, my dad drove me to Target to get a bunch of, like, notebooks and markers. Like, I literally was, like, it was my first day of school. I went and bought, like, a notebook and markers and highlighters um, cause all I could do at that point was try to draw my idea. Like I was like, I don't know, I don't know how to create a formula, but I can try to think of what I want my bottle to look like. I just needed to stay motivated. So the idea wouldn't, wouldn't escape me. And, you know, I think if I started to think of all the things that I didn't know how to do, I would have gotten overwhelmed and potentially quit. So I, I got super focused on kind of having fun with it. That was the first couple of days. And then after that, I was like, okay, like, who do I know that could teach me, could connect me with people that have experience in the food industry? Um, how do I want to sell this? And and I also saw something that I that I kind of was inspired by. I saw a lot of, uh, I'll just say it, a lot of like white brands that had such a strong presence on social where I didn't see that with uh, Mexican candy. I think th- things have absolutely changed and now you see that as well. But there was so, there was... Um, kind of so many people finding audiences online for their product. And I, I, so I kind of was like, okay, if, if this fails, maybe I should just record everything and it will serve a different purpose and it can inspire somebody else, or it will find an audience. So I kind of focused on the things that I knew how to do. And then the rest was just finding people who could, who I could learn from when it came to the part of it.
0: Yeah, I love that, Um, especially like what this makes me think of is uh, this book, Atomic Habits. And I feel like people who have been listening to this podcast um, from my launch date have probably heard me say this um, a little bit before, but one of the biggest lessons that I personally learned from Atomic Habits is this concept of making 1% daily changes, right? It's, it's those small steps and a lot of people still do not believe this, but it's those small actionable things you do on a daily basis that ultimately lead to your reaching your goal or your success. And when you get there, it feels like you were an overnight success, but in reality, you were taking these little tiny steps on a daily basis. Maybe today, like you said, maybe that day one was just drawing out what you wanted your bottles to look like, right? And then from there, maybe day two was doing a little bit of ingredient research, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's those small steps that are really what's pushing you forward.
1: Completely. I, you know, I think for me, the the first couple of days was like do not get scared like that. And that might've just been my atomic habit. I was like, do whatever you need to do to not get scared, not get discouraged. Like you're going to start seeing like how expensive this is going to be. Like, let's just stay focused and, and decided. Um, and that to me was success. Like that to me in that first week and being like, Oh my God, it's been seven days after. And I still want to do this. Okay. Like this is success. Let's, let's keep moving forward. So, um, I think for, for anybody, the things they have to have everything figured out, even in the first month, even in the first six months, that's not true. It really is what you're saying, like one little small step. And that's different for everybody. Um, and, uh, and and for me, it was like, I just need to see this through and sticking with it was for those first couple of weeks was success to me. For
0: sure. Those small steps, Plus the consistency, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and that's what really creates that recipe for you getting to where your vision is
1: ultimately. Fully, I I became obsessed. Like I was, and there was, you know, it wasn't all. It's not like I didn't encounter any doubt. Um, I remember when I first started telling people about my idea, and I told people that I really admired, uh, like people in my life that I thought were really smart. Uh, they are really smart. Um, they didn't like the idea uh, and they, they casted doubt over it. Now they love it. Uh, but at the time they didn't, they, they just didn't see the vision, which is totally fine. And I remember it was like, well, if they don't see the vision and I think they're some, the smartest people I know, like maybe I should put it down. And I put the idea down for like a month and during that month, I couldn't watch any like entrepreneurship content, like not even on TikTok. I couldn't watch Shark Tank. I could, it would, it would give, it would make me so sad. It would make me so sad to see people that like follow through. And I didn't, and it was like, I was building resentment and I would go to sleep thinking about the idea and waking up thinking about, it. and it just, I was like, okay, like this is a niche that now I have to like really, really scratch. Like I, it's, it's making me almost sick not to move forward with this. So, um, I think it also that whole process also taught me to be really, really good at hearing myself in the middle of of all of the doubt. And I think that, you know, I'm a daughter of immigrants, I'm an immigrant myself. I think that like it's so easy to be like, well, this this person must know better than me. And uh, I, and and I think that Latinas, people of color, I'm sure, experience this more than 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 other folks. So it taught me to like quiet the noise sometimes and and listen to myself.
0: Yeah, how did you build that instinct for, you know, differentiating from other people's input, and what you knew to be, you know, this big, beautiful vision, and this big goal of yours, right? Because I feel like it's so common for uh, people who are just getting started, especially if it's their first business. I feel like it's so common for people to seek input from their mm-hmm. loved ones and people they trust. And you know, like not everybody will get it straight away. And that's okay. You mm-hmm. know, like they I like I genuinely believe that the people around us are you know, well-intentioned and are giving us what they believe to be their best piece of advice at the time. But, you know, at times I understand like that can feel a little discouraging to bring like your best friend, this idea and to have them say, I don't think that's going to work. So how, how did you build that muscle or that instinct for knowing when to listen to others versus go with your gut?
1: Yeah, no, I mean I think that I I was real I was aware that I didn't want to be irresponsible and I didn't want my ego to be the one making decisions and I think that's something really it's really important to be able to distinguish distinguish those things cuz I think there's times where I want to be right versus I want the, what's best for the project and those are two different things. So I think that you know once I started talking to people and I hearing their concerns it in a way it allowed me to find solutions to all of those concerns, which I, which I should have from the very beginning. So I think a lot of people, we, you know, one of the, the questions was like, where, where are you going to sell it? Like, are you going to be selling it in farmer's market? or? And, and for me, I was like, no, like, I was like, okay, let me, that's a good question. Like I want mass reach. I want to be online. I want to be an e-commerce product. I, you know, and then it was the question of like, you know how are you going to hold so much inventory? And I'm like, well, it's going to be shelf stable, so I need to figure out how to make sure that that product does not have to be refrigerated. Like, how is it going to travel across the country? Like, it, research all the rules. Um, you know how what's going to be the initial investment? I I I personally do not want to go into debt with this project, so I was like, okay, I have to keep my day job to fund the business. Um, thankfully, it's a cash flow business because it's an eco. So all these kind of things started started being answered and. At that point, I was like, well, I can hear your concerns, right? I can hear why you don't think this is a good idea. And some of those concerns were ridiculous. I mean, some people were like, they just didn't believe uh, the, the Mexican community, the Latino community was gonna go for a product like this, which I thought was insane. Uh, they didn't think that uh, Latinos uh, w- were, were gonna reach and, and buy something online, which I also thought was insane. And so I started like looking up data, like just making sure that I had all my questions answered for me. So then I knew that I'm like, I hear you. I right now I'm more prepared than you to decide if this is a good idea or not. But do be aware for anybody starting a business, be very aware if it's your ego or if, or if you're making a, a very well-informed decision. And a well-informed decision can also have a level of like, I, I just believe in this. But I, cause I, you know, I have a lot of people that come to me for, for business advice or they have an idea and I will, I don't want to cast doubt on the idea, but I do want to cast like just a light on what the struggles might be just so that you're thinking ahead of time. If, you know, so, so I think that, you know, kind of answering my own, my own questions and my own fears allow me to figure out uh, you know, when I could hear myself and if I was making a decision based on ego or based on what was best for the business. And that's still a daily challenge. I think that everybody struggles with it.
0: Yeah, it kind of sounds to me like a lot of those questions were kind of also the types of questions that tend to get answered when creating a business plan for a Mm -hmm. product or service.
1: Completely, yeah. I think a lot of things are, you know, I, I didn't follow a traditional path, like I never, I never, you know, I didn't have, have a traditional business plan I did after the business was, was like, the idea was proven. Then I kind of like put all my dogs in a row. Um, but yeah, I think that what you're describing and what I'm describing is absolutely a business plan plan in a way, um, And you start to practice, right? Because when you tell like that, and people do this differently, like there's a lot of folks that are like, move in silence, like don't share your ideas with the world. I'm the opposite of like, I tell everybody because it kind of holds me accountable. It also is an opportunity for me to be like, yeah, ask me about it. Like, let me figure out how to like, how I would answer this. Or if if I don't have that question answered, should I like, should I? So for me, that is a way for myself to to hold myself accountable, but do whatever, you know, everybody kind of goes through through business and projects differently but that's something that for me has always worked and you know that's why when you see they were working on new products for the business we share the whole process on TikTok because their question, like the customer asking questions I'm like oh yeah that's a good like that's a good idea like let me figure out how I can incorporate that into into the website or into the product or whatever so it's it's been it's worked in our favor.
0: I love that so much. And I definitely want to um, ask you a few TikTok questions a little bit later on. But I'm also curious, um, did you once you came up with a formulation, did you ever have like that community for uh, like testing your formula and making sure that like people were happy with it and things like that?
1: We did. We made over 44 different formulas, and I know that because I have, I have some of the last bottles in my fr- in my fridge, and they say like number 44. I never want to throw them away. <laughs> um, I did. I, it took us about six months to kind of do the entire process of like launching the product, launching the formula, maybe even a little bit more than six months. Um, and there, I got to a point after a couple of months, maybe a, on month four, I was so tired, like I was starting to be like. I just wanted to launch it. Like, I was just like, I almost feel silly still talking about this dream and it's taking so long because I thought that like, you, you know, you could do this really quickly and I was tired. And I remember being like, I remember telling the, the. The, the food scientist that I was working with, like I was like, yeah, the, the you know it tastes delicious, and then I had my sister taste and my little sister who's three years younger than me, but so like she's so honest, the most honest person you ever meet, and she was like, no, <laughs> she's like you're not even close, and we had to go back to the drawing board for a couple more months, and then ultimately landed on the flavor that we have today, and that that was also a lesson of like my ego just wanted to move forward, I was just like, and I was starting to almost get embarrassed that I hadn't figured it out. Um, but my sister reminded me that there was still money to be invested into into the taste, and without that critical um, uh, person, uh, I don't think the product would have been successful. And I had other people try, like friends of mine. And they were like, "Yeah, it's great." I'm like, "They were like, <laughs> they just were, you know, you you do need people that are going to tell you the absolute, you know, even if it's a bad bad truth at the time." Um, So I'm grateful for that.
0: Yeah, I heard this amazing story um, just a few days ago. Uh, I I was at this um, event for female entrepreneurs and uh, one of the panelists who were speaking was co-founder of August, which is a um, period product brand. And she was giving a little bit about her story and how community was such an integral part of her feedback process before she even had a product to launch. And it was so interesting. (laughs) She said that um, she found some, like, college-aged women to send her, um, like, tampons and uh pads too and she she didn't even like have a budget for things like uh proper like packaging stuff like slips and envelopes and things like that so she like took a manila envelope uh cut it in half and like Mm -hmm. put the products inside of it took a piece of notebook paper and wrote on it like thank you so much for uh, supporting us and uh, wanting to give us feedback here you go yeah. and like looking back she says that it was just so wild of her to do at the time um, but you know that feedback piece was so important to her process and even to this day community is so important to the August brand because it's how they know what works it's how they know what people need from them
1: exactly and i think that for all consumer products right like the august brand like ours um it's really important to remind yourself who the customer is i think we're so used to being like well this is my product and this is how i like it but like baby you're not going to be the one buying it it's going to be other folks so it's super important to have like an open ear and to like um have be humble enough to hear other people's opinions and then you can decide which ones you want to hear and which ones you don't. Of course, there's there's personal taste, but there's if overwhelmingly a uh, part of your customer base or part of your community is asking you to change something or to like, you know, consider a different option, as a as a business owner, I think it's so I personally think it's so important to, to be able to sit down and, and hear it, you know, with an open mind and an open heart.
0: I agree. And a lot of times also, we may have this idea in our heads about what that white space is, what that gap is that we think we need to fill. And then once you start talking to other people, you may find that the white space is actually something a
1: little different than mm-hmm. what you thought it was. Exactly. And and you, you don't figure that out as, until you go, you know, um, I I would have never thought that I would have been in the candy business. I think it's funny and I love it. I absolutely love it, especially a diabetic friendly candy. Would have never thought that. Um, But one thing kind of led to another and we just found uh, an opportunity and a need. Uh, And as we're developing other products, I don't think I don't I don't expect all of them to be immediate successes. I think there's going to be a lot of learning and a lot of adjusting, as we've seen every other brand do as they expand. Um, kind of their offerings. Um, but I'm excited for that. Cause like the only thing that that allows me to do is to get to know my customer base a little bit more. Um, you know, when we launched the product, um, I was so focused on it being sugar-free. It's, it's sweetened with monk fruit, it's sugar-free, carb-free, calorie-free. Um, I had never thought about artificial dyes, all chamois, all Mexican candy, all snacks have red 40. It's, you know, the dye that makes hot cheetah, the hot cheetah color. And I, you know, I wanted the product to look appetizing. So the product did have red 40 and we launched it. And, you know, I was so focused on it being diabetic friendly. And a lot of people were like, I love this idea. I think it's so fantastic. I just don't like artificial dyes or I just wish it didn't have it or my child can't have it. And I was like, I hadn't like, that's a completely new thing that I had no idea. Um, and I was like, Well, we already have a formula and I could have gotten really stubborn and go back and forth. But I was like, okay, let me like, let me hear this feedback, let me do my own research on the side. Let's figure out if it's if it's possible to replace it. Um, because a lot of people were like, well, just take it out. And I'm like, well, I still want my product to look appetizing. Like I want I want a kid to want to be to to want to reach for our chamoy, you know? Um so then while we were selling our product, we went into, into research and development on different ways to potentially replace that ingredient. And we tested a million things and I've done videos about it on, on my TikTok, beet powder, raspberry powder, like every, you know, everything that you can imagine. And we ultimately landed on hibiscus powder, which it actually was a more cost-effective option. It's a Hispanic ingredient. Uh, and we source it, source it from a, a Latino vendor as well. So it made my product better. It made my customers happy and it made my, my, my chum more accessible to people with other dietary needs that I wasn't even thinking about. Um, so that's, and I can change everything about the product, right? Some people are like, you should make a sugar version. I'm like, I won't, <laughs> that's not, <laughs> that's not where I want to be. There's other amazing brands that do that We're you know, we do something different, but, um in all of that noise, there was a really good piece of feedback that changed my company for the better. And now every single product that we're developing moving forward doesn't have artificial dyes and will never have artificial dyes. So that's like something that was entirely inspired by our community.
0: That's amazing. And this to me definitely feels like evidence of the positive results of just honoring your space right like like you said somebody suggested you know can you make a version that has sugar in it and you're kind of like um no that's not what we're here for um there are other companies that do that and do that really well mm-hmm. um you know like this is just the result of honoring that space
1: yeah no i mean it's it's entirely like knowing who you are knowing who your customers are and then sometimes you do have to remind people, like, people are like why won't you make a sugar version? I'm like, because that's not the mission of our company. Um, and I I will always want other chamois companies to continue to exist. Like, we're endlessly inspired by them. What we do is just different because who we're catering to has different needs. That's it. Um, I still love all Mexican candy, you know, but it, this whole business was inspired by my dad and, and his needs. So, um, so yeah, it, it's, it's knowing who you are and always having a curiosity for who your customer is and reminding yourself that your customers grow and evolve and they care about different things at different times of the year. And, you know, maybe five years ago saying like people being concerned about artificial dyes wasn't a thing, but now it is because we, you know, we've, we learn, we grow, we have different concerns. And I expect that to always be the case as we, you know, as, as generations progress.
0: Absolutely. And so on the business development and business strategy front, what were some of the things that you had to learn in order to really make your band successful in this space?
1: I, you know, I had some experience on e-commerce, but I had to go so much deeper into it. Uh, kind of figure out what best software we wanted to use uh, you know how we wanted to if we wanted to collect data from our customers meaning email and, and text what we wanted to do with that data um, you know there was even questions of like do you launch so many people are like oh we we launched on Amazon first Do you launched through your website or do you sell direct you know direct to consumer in person um, and there were there were even easier paths, right? I think saying like, oh, you don't have to build the website. You can put it on Amazon. But I was like, I, I want to know who my customer is. I want as much information as possible. I want to know their zip codes. I want to know how many times they purchase. I, like, I need to know that because I know nothing, right? So I think that like that, that allowed me to make some business decisions on where I wanted my product to be. Um, and then my, thankfully my sister is a financial um advisor and analyst so I'm like on, teach me everything because I know nothing you know how to how to how to run my books how to you know how much do I charge for this how how much do I have to sell how do I adjust my um can I afford to have a sale so many people I think when they're a lot of, a lot of small businesses when they're not getting a sale that they, they tend to be like, oh let's put it on sale and it's like can you afford that? Can we do something else before like all these these things were were things that I learned along the way. Um, we just went, we went through our first tax season. I had to learn. you know what I mean? I was like, okay, like what? So I'm learning, uh, I'm learning all the time. And, um, they were of course kind of like your basics of how to, how to start on LLC right now. We're trying to figure out, do we switch that to a corporation as we, as we grow now? Um, and a lot of the times I have no idea what anything means. I'll be honest with you, Jasmine. I have no idea. So it's like, it takes me back to like the first week where I was like, okay, I have to do research, like. I've become maybe an expert on monk fruit, but now I have to figure out how to become an expert on these other business things. Um, so it's a constant, you know, it's, it's humbling and it's, it keeps me interested. Um, but in no way, I think people, you know, see a business after from an outsider's perspective has been successful. You have customers, you have sales, but internally, like, I think every day I'm like, so many things are new. Um it, I mean, logistically right now, they were planning on launching a couple of new products. That's totally different, totally different. I mean, like, I'm like having to think of how the website is going to look, where we're going to sell them, like operations, right? How much is it going to cost to have more products? Not just creating the product, but like we have to ship it. So like, is that is that going to take long? Like all these questions are constantly in my head. And um, there was one problem that I encountered. This was maybe like a week ago. Because my my mom is so encouraging. My mom is like, "You need to launch this new product." I'm like, "Mom, like like, from an operations standpoint, it sounds like a nightmare." Like, and so I was giving me anxiety. I I went to bed, and like it was three a.m. And like, you know, when like you're like thinking about a problem and suddenly like you see the light open, you're just like, "I was like, that's the." I, I was like it's solved. And I was like, recorded like a voice note. So I'm like, don't forget. And in the morning I was like, mom, I solved, like, this is how it can happen. Um, so I have a lot of those moments where constantly terrified and then you think about it and you think about it and you think about it and you either solve it or you learn how to pivot and, and find a completely different opportunity or space, as, as you were saying.
0: That reminds me um, of something that I've heard said over and over again, um, everything's figure outable you know and I think that in so many ways it also goes right back to this concept of taking those everyday little steps where you don't know what you need to figure out or solve for next until you actually get started you know
1: yeah and sometimes not making a decision is a decision you know like that in itself is like staying still it and it can, it, can, it can be good sometimes or it can be not what's best um You know, my mom always says, and it's a little morbid, but uh, she says, like everything has a solution, except of course, when things ultimately end. Um, So I think that when I'm terrified or I think I've made a huge mistake, like our, you know, our, our small business got robbed two weeks after we launched it. Like I got, you know, uh, it was horrible. It was horrible. And I was like, this is the end, you know? And it was horrible for 48 hours. And then, you know, you started to figure out a new path. And, you know, that happening allowed us to find new customers and I, I, you know, all these things that, that kind of came after. So if anybody's in a, in a tight spot, like learn as much as you can stay calm. And and, and I think the answers will come.
0: I love that so much. So we're going to pivot a little bit into talking more on the social media front, Um, especially because social media has just been so, you know, instrumental and so key to building so many businesses nowadays and tiktok was especially instrumental for you as you were telling me during our intro call so what were your first few days of posting on tiktok like
1: um they were i wouldn't call them scary i think it was like talking into the void because <laughs> zero followers right you're just like you're just like i feel so silly like um and if you scroll down and look at our first couple of videos, I like record the first boxes of the, the bottles getting there. And it was like literally only like two boxes, boxes. Now we get like 40 delivered at a time based on our, on our production size. But, um, it's that it's me being like showing you guys like my, um, my notebook sketches, which actually does look very similar to the website, which I'm happy about. Um, you know, all the names we went through it, uh. Our, you know, our, our colors are pink and it's pink, yellow, and, and green. And, uh, before that we had eight different other color combinations that we were thinking of. Like I show, I, I'm just like talking to the void and showing people like what I had done so far. I actually started the TikTok before I had the product finished. Um, and then I, I love it. I love going back and looking at those videos. I, there's one video where I had, I had put the website live. And I was about to like call my sister and be like, it's live, you guys can purchase an order. Like, you know, they just wanted to be supportive. And before I did that, I hear the sound of Shopify, like ding ding, I was like, what the hell is that? And I look and somebody who I did not know, like this is somebody who found us through TikTok, bought the product. And I like immediately grabbed the phone and I recorded myself just being like, like the emotion that I was feeling. So I was like, "This like," and I like looked up her house on Google Maps. Like I was like such a little stalker, but I was like, "Who like? Where is my chamoy going?" Like I that genuine excitement and like I you know I was jumping around in my kitchen. Um, that is documented on those first early days of TikTok. And um, you know we've I, I do different things on the app. I show different you know, different things. But I think all of that is truly inspired with what whatever is happening with the business at that time. Um, the strategy hasn't changed that much. I just post more. But if you look back, the videos feel very much as the videos that we post now. um Because part of it, of course, is for customers. But part of it also serves as a video diary for me um, to see this baby grow. So it's Kind of what it is. I really
0: love that you brought up that piece on it being a video diary, essentially. Because one piece of advice that I have heard constantly, and I'm actually going to give a, a like actual use case for this, but one piece of advice I've heard constantly when you're launching a new product, a new service, whatever, is to do not launch to crickets. Right? Do not set your website live and have like nobody as your audience right Mm -hmm. and that's something that I definitely tried to adhere to when I was launching this podcast um like I I feel like I spent months planning this podcast and then by the time I got like up to my actual launch things went kind of fast but I was like okay whatever I do I will not set this podcast live and have No Instagram page with not even a single post on it. Mm -hmm. I have got to have something up there. And, you know, back to your point on this being a little bit of a video diary for your business, I heard a fantastic story from um, another founder who talked about her early days in creating this uh, basically line of bras for women with smaller chests. Uh, She, you know, did not even have an audience at first, but she created a newsletter series and Mm -hmm. every single week she would update subscribers on where she was with her business. And keep in mind, they didn't even have a product to launch yet. They were still building their product. They were testing it out. They were still modeling the way it would look. And they wanted their subscribers to be on that journey with them. Right. So now people are invested in seeing the developments within their business. So they really brought people along for the ride. And me personally, that's, I I can like already see that that's definitely the style I also gravitate towards more. Um, I really like when I can bring people on the journey with me. Um, also, hence this podcast, like that's what a lot of this podcast is about, just me bringing people on this journey um, of building wealth in ways that are just meaningful to them. And I'm doing it too, and they're learning as I'm learning, and so I think that piece can be really valuable to founders.
1: Incredibly valuable, and I think it's—I think it's so beautiful, and we're so lucky to be, be living in a era of social media where, like, authenticity—and it could be fabricated authenticity if you wanted to be—but it's thriving. No longer is anybody expecting us to be perfect and have everything figure out. And if you're not using that for your advantage, like, what are you doing? You know, I think that people want to see the journey. People want to see potential mistakes as long you know, as, as a consumer brand, there's certain mistakes I never want to make, of course. But you know what I mean? If I'm talking marketing or if I'm talking like I, I've talked to people who, you know, th- there's there's businesses that come to me for our, Questions about social media, and they want to know how we how we grew, and a lot of what I encounter is people being like, "Well, I'm waiting until everything's perfect," and I'm like, "Oh, I don't, mm, (laughs) I don't know, like scroll back, like my videos are cringy, like you know, it's like you if you wait until everything's perfect, you're going to be waiting for a long time." And I respect people that you know, there's many different industries, and but I aesthetics was never something that I was good at. Like if you look at social, it's not my thing. I don't think we ever had professional photos taken of the product. Never. Like, it, I, I'm not good at making things pretty, but I I was like, but I but I want to tell this story and I want to tell it the way that I would tell it to my friends. And I want to tell it, you know, in the way that I tell it, like my parents and I talk about it when we're like, oh, it's crazy. Um, so that for me worked, bringing that, those conversations that I was all, already having and those videos that maybe I would have been posting on my personal Instagram story, making them a public TikTok. And I felt very confident that I was I was comfortable sharing that. I don't know if people were going to be able to receive it, but I was comfortable sharing that. Um so I think for for business owners, it's like we we don't know how long this is gonna last of uh, social media, first of all, being able to find an audience so quickly. And then also this kind of favor for authenticity and and customers being more comfortable if you show more of your business versus keeping it too like perfect and close. And like, uh that's, that's for our advantage, um, in my opinion, and, and it's worked for us. So I, I see it as something that I, you know, when I talk to people with with businesses or ideas, is like, well, oh, love, don't wait. Like, cause it's, it will never be perfect. That's it's different for everybody, but that's my, um, uh, you know, that's my own, my, my own personal thing. Um, and it's not easy. Like I, you know, I don't always feel comfortable in front of the camera. Like that was really hard for me to like constantly kind of be the face. Now it's much easier. Um, you'll notice that I don't do a lot of Instagram, sorry, TikTok lives. Cause I get so nervous. I'm like, I don't know how to fit, like, you know, I don't know how to fill in the space. So there's certain things that I'm still trying to figure out how to push myself and do. Um, but the things that I feel comfortable with, I'm like, let me triple down on those. Um, so it's, uh, you know, people are like, oh, I don't like social media. And then like, don't, you know, don't like talking to your audience. I don't know what to tell you. Like, <laughs> that's where they are. It's, um, I have this, had this mentor. I love him so, so much. His name is Mike. He always used to say the, um, it's the little, the little mermaid uh, theory. Like, I want to be where the people are. And if the people aren't on TikTok, you better like little mermaid. And like, I want to be where the people are. So I always try to remember that and, and know that like no space I'm 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 not better than being in any space that will have me you know what I mean like um so that works for me and I hopefully it works for other people too
0: I'm going to have to remember that the little mermaid I I absolutely have to remember that I, I'm definitely someone who is also like not very good at like showing up on social media um I it's it's definitely not my strength uh public speaking is not my strength and just you know being so public is absolutely not my strength, but I know that like, you know, that's where the audience is. It's kind of where you have to be, especially if you want to take a more proactive approach to championing yourself and growing the skills that
1: you feel you have a gap for. Exactly. And I think there's also like reminding yourself of what, what is your business, right? And what is it revolutionizing? So for me, I'm like, I'm not revolutionizing the way people buy food or the way people buy viral food. I'm, I I changed the product. Like the product is sugar-free, diabetic friendly. I am not trying to find a new way for people to buy candy. If they're doing it through e-commerce and they're like, their mouth is watering because they see a TikTok video. I wanna wanna just get in there. Like that, that is like a muscle that they already have. That's how I buy food as well. If I see something, I'm like, that looks so good. you know for you if it's bringing people into this conversation about wealth like that is the that is the main product but the way that people discover podcasts the way that people discover tips and that's not changing like that's all like there's this beautiful machine that is like perfect for what you know we're both trying to like share with the world so I think that um that is something where I you know when I talk to people I'm like I am not like because people are like oh would you ever have a physical store I'm like Sometimes sometimes my videos go viral viral in New York. How the hell are they gonna come and buy it from my store in Texas? Like, no, I wanna like I wanna reach them. Like I wanna, so I, that's a kind of like a constant reminder. where like, oh, and a store, a physical store, like if it was like the Isle of Chemo store, it would stroke my ego. Are you kidding me? Like I would I'd be like, yeah, that's my store, but it's not that's not how people are buying my product. So that's where you know, kind of the little mermaid theory comes into play.
0: Absolutely. And before you kind of mentioned this piece about talking into the void, right? Which been there <laughs> multiple times. I'm still there, kind of, but we're getting better at it. <laughs> but- oh, many of
1: my videos are in the void. <laughs> like so many of my videos <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what saw them. <laughs>
0: about like, how long did it take for you to get to that place where you were, you know, talking into that void, uh, not getting a ton of traction to a place where you were starting to see some growth when it comes to your TikTok presence.
1: So it was actually pretty quickly. Um, before we had the product talking to the, like the void, like maybe my videos got like a thousand views or something. I was super excited still. Um, And I, so we launched the product and I, I made 750 bottles that first production run. I was going to make 500. And then like, I got convinced into making 750 and I was like, this is so stupid. Like I'm never going to sell them. And the goal was to sell them in a span of six months. So that was like, like it was, it was inventory for six months and I had, it was like my friend's birthday or something. And I remember I posted like the product we had just done the first production run. That was. Like we finished production on, I think, Thursday. And then on Saturday, I posted the first video with the product finish, right? The website was up. I posted the video and it was just me filling bottles of sugar-free chamoy. And I think it had like the voice of the TikTok, like the TikTok lady being like, filling bottles of sugar-free chamoy, you know, you know which one. And I went on my friend's, like my friend's party, put my phone in my purse to not look at it. When I got out of the party, it was like, Hundreds of orders. The video had gone viral. I think it reached seven, seventy thousand views or something in that first day. And I was like, "What?" And I think that was the first time that we started getting an audience, and people knew who what we were trying to do. And they were asking great questions. And they were, you know, um, we sold out those seven hundred and fifty bottles in less in less than seven days, in less than a week. So it just kind of that immediately was the first the first uh, indicator that I'm like tiktok and social media is where my customer is um so from there it, it took off and then there's there's been months where when i'm really consistent with it we grow really quickly um like i started before i was posting one or two videos a day this is not going to sound crazy for some people but i post six to eight a day now um and they're not good quality, video. you can, guys can go look at them. They're not like anything crazy. Like some, some of them are really random. Some of them are thoughts that I have at the moment or, but for me, it was like, I just have to be there. And also it's like from those eight videos that I post today, one does really, really well. The others might answer, but the others still get traction. They answer questions. If one customer gets their question answered and they go purchase it for me, it's a success. Uh, so um, I think that, that, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a consistent thing. And then Instagram, after they introduced reels, everything changed. I mean, we grew our Instagram for what Instagram is incredibly fast. And that wouldn't have been possible if reels wasn't the, the product that they were pushing. So for anybody out there is like, what are these platforms pushing? Right? Like if, if, if Instagram is introducing reels, chances are they don't have enough videos to show people. So your videos will do better. Like, you know, kind of like it's, you do have to hack the system. And then it's like, if you're posting, if you're posting one video a day and it gets a thousand views, but if you post seven videos a day and they all get a thousand views, that is just more views. You're reaching more people. So, um, you know, don't get discouraged, see it a little bit more of us as a a game to kind of like figure out and crack and the algorithm changes all the time. So it's, you know, I've never have it figured out, but I, at this point, I like it. I like posting. I like talking to my customers. I think some of them are really funny um, and smart. So
0: I love that so much. And how do you kind of translate the views that you're getting into, you know, comments, right, and likes? Because I feel like so many creators are, kind of in this place where they're, you know, using hashtags, they're posting things that, you know, feel it like interesting and have people watching, but they're not getting the comments they want to get. They're not getting, you know, the likes on their video. How, how do you, I guess, translate those views into, uh, like additional engagement?
1: For sure. I um, you know, I think that's something that I ask myself sometimes, especially if I get discouraged when I'm like, nobody can <laughs> like,, oh, I thought this video was so great. Nobody watched it. I really have to sit myself down and like this is, you have to be really honest with yourself and be like, would I have watched this if it wasn't me? If it wasn't? my company and a lot of times they, the the answer is no like there's nothing about the video that made me like like you know what i mean they they, they like had a hook or like made me stay or like we scroll through so many things so as a consumer i i you know i'm i'm sometimes like as i'm scrolling i'm like why did i stick around and watch the video and the video can be an entirely like it doesn't have to be small business it doesn't have to be you know entrepreneurship or or food even but like why did i stay like what about it make me made me stay and if i scroll past it like what about it made me scroll and I think that like being very aware as a consumer, how you interact, and it's like an honest reality, right? Because you have to be like, hey, that's boring. Like, you know, and you have to call yourself out if your shit is boring um, and then figure out, okay, what would I do different, right? And if I, And if I'm stubborn with like the topic, right? If I'm like, I just, I know this topic is good. Like, I know this will matter to my customers but clearly the way that i'm trying to communicate that it's not working so like let me package it up in a different way and let me package it up and let me until you land on something that works um i i i so i sometimes also see like customer questions or is a good way to like if i see a question more than 5 times that's a good question they want this answer like let me use that comment as like the prompt for my video um there's also things that you post exclusively just to generate conversation um you know, most, like 90% of my content is about the business, but then there's 10% that it's like, what your favorite sopita shapes? That's about you. That's just me. Cause I like, you know, I like obviously pr- 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 proud of my Hispanic, Mexican culture. And I like the internet when they come together. I think you can have really fun, fun content. Um, so it's a little bit of everything, but um, the biggest thing is probably like, why would I watch this? And if you do have a hit, Really question why it was successful. And sometimes it's not because you were the most engaging person. It's because the, the copy had a typo and people are commenting about it. And that's what made it blow up. Like it really is sometimes as simple as that. And I think you have to have some some humbleness and some fun about it uh, and not take yourself too, too seriously. Uh, I think all of that can can help you figure out what you need to do to generate engagement and interest.
0: I think that's a fantastic strategy and one that is highly underrated, right? Just thinking about what makes you as a consumer take an action, whether that be uh, to click the link in the creator's bio to leave a comment to maybe watch the video five times instead of one time i think that spending a little time to reflect from that perspective can like you as you've shown uh really do wonders and i think also if you feel like you know you're kind of hitting a wall in terms of thinking about the type of content that you would interact with, maybe go on competitor profiles and see what their like most popular pieces of content have been. Look at what type of content they've produced that really got them the most comments or the most likes. And I'm not saying like copy their video or anything but use it as a way to think about the elements that are present within the content they're creating and think about how that might apply to your business and what you would like to
1: create exactly it, it's a constant you have to ha- have a constant curiosity and like know that you will never fully figure it out because these platforms are changing faster than you can um and there's new things popping up every single time and there's new Like, but, but it's, it's fun, you know, and it's, it's fun. And it's interesting. Like I had a video blow up the other day, nothing to do with my business. I went to, to Whataburger, obviously Texas, and I ordered um, jalapeno ketchup which is called spicy ketchup. I didn't know that. And, which I should, again, I got like told, like the comments are ripping me apart and I'm like, I deserve no. that. <laughs> and uh, cause they gave me a jalapeno and ketchup. And I was like, oh, interesting. Like, and I posted it cause I was like this, you know, it, it, Whataburger is such a staple. Like it's, it's of Texas. My product is probably Texas made. It just, it kind of fit into like our story and it blew up and that when it blew up it blew up all of my other videos that were around it which were all about my business. So like allow yourself to show your personality, allow yourself to show the personality of your brand. It doesn't always have to be so serious. I think it can be fun. I think people, you know, I'm thinking of of doing a series when I, when I was like 10 years old, I used to sell uh, stickers at school and it was when the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC was like everything, you know, like everything of the sort and there were like girls at my school that were like Backstreet Boys fans and there were girls in my school that were NSync fans so i was just like i have to have both products so i like i'm like oh my, i'm like now i'm like oh maybe i should bring that those stories of like you, you very young entrepreneurship like in my bones into my tiktok and show that like you know i'm sure people are going to or people are going to relate uh, you know or there's people that follow us entirely because they want to Start their own business. There's people that follow us because they buy the product, and there's people that follow me because they want to leave troll comments. Everybody's welcome. Like, there's a place for everybody. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, the, is- the, the, the shitty comments don't don't hurt anymore. I remember the first time that I saw a comment that I didn't like, I was like, and I got like, you know, you I got so like insecure, and then like you see it again, you're just like, oh, it's kind of funny, and then you see it again, you're like. Hmm. I don't know, like, I don't know who you are. Like, it's just like, you see them pop up and then you, you you know, I, it's surprisingly launching this company and launching it on TikTok has helped me have a better relationship with social media and like care, care less about the opinions of people that I don't care to talk to, but care more about the opinions of people that I like are clearly my customers. So it's, For me, it's actually been very healing. I know people have different relationships with social media, but surprisingly for me, this this has been very healing. I have to say
0: that I also personally echo that experience with you know, just TikTok kind of improving my relationship with social media as well, because You know, when I was an undergrad, I had a career and college lifestyle advice blog that I used to run. And, you know, at the time I was trying to be on social media uh, and, you know, create engaging content and things like that. And it got to a point where I did not really like what I was seeing on social media. Um, And because of that, I kind of just dropped the ball on all of it. And I was like, I want to like step away from this. Um, And that was also during a time when I was spending considerable amount of time um, as a student just creating content for social media. I remember I would ask my friends like, hey, can you like go take photos with me out on the campus in between classes um, and like after class and like I would put on an outfit do my makeup all nice uh, get like props and like all these things I was spending considerable time trying to create a very like nice curated uh you know like Instagram feed basically mm-hmm. for my blog and everything and you know now with TikTok as I'm like managing my TikTok for this podcast you know I'm just like okay like I don't even have to get out of bed to post a TikTok I literally will like find a video that fits with what I'm trying to say put some text on the screen add some music post it and then it's like boom like 2,000 views right there
1: (laughs) yeah no it's it's changed it's changed so much but I also think it's so like I love the internet I have such an appreciation for the internet I think it like it's where um you know, I've seen myself represented, represented all of my identities. Like I've been obsessed with internet for so long. I love, like, I think, and I think it's so important to like, ask you, you know, you're saying like, oh, you, now you're into TikTok, but to honor what you were doing before, like going and taking those photos. Cause the hardest part of doing this whole thing is just doing it. Like, like doing, and I do think you have to have a, a level of delusion, a healthy level of delusion to be like, I'm gonna do it, like you know what I mean, and like not. You're in the minority. Um, I think you know business owners and people with creative projects, and people that are trying to change. You're in the minority, and it feel it can feel so lonely sometimes. And if you do have two comments on TikTok that are like, "I love this. This was helpful," you're like, "Yeah, like it's doing something." And it's rem- so. I think it's. I think it's. I think what you've done is so beautiful and so special and so needed for our community. And like honor that college girl that was like doing the damn thing and of course as social evolved and as we evolve now you're doing what's allowing you to reach more people and I you know I love all of that I love the internet I think it's so so fabulous
0: for sure and just to close things out a little bit uh what what are your like I guess like last bits of advice for any business owners who are you know they're trying to do the thing they are working hard at it not yet seeing the traction they want and not yet getting the sales that they want off of social media what is your advice for them
1: I think that I mean it, it goes back to like learn how to listen to your voice and the noise of it all and then once you listen to your voice is it speaking with ego or is it speaking with what's best for the business um, I think sometimes I get comments on, on social people being like, oh, I wish, you know, I don't understand why I'm not getting these sales. And it usually there is a, a reason why, right. It could be your, your strategy hasn't changed for social. You're, you're not being be, being vulnerable on social. Uh, maybe you're a little bit too stubborn to allow feedback from your customers. Maybe your website is not giving enough, enough information, like, you know, have a very honest, and it could be a very honest and kind conversation with yourself. Like, don't do it in a sense of like, I'm such a failure. Like, no, if if you're doing this for the first time, of course, you're not going to know everything. Like, that would be crazy. Like, you're not supposed to know everything, but you are supposed to have an open mind and an open heart to like, allow yourself to learn and like, be kind with yourself and be honest with yourself. Um, You know, I... I, there's things that I've wanted to do for the business that I was like super, like super, like stubborn with it. And then nobody cared. It didn't do anything for my business. I just spend money and I'm like, that that wasn't me. That was the ego speaking. So have those honest conversations and allow yourself to make mistakes. Um, you know, the cheaper the mistakes are the better, um, but, but, and, and pivot as you go and, um, you know, don't get don't allow yourself to get better or resentful. Um, you know, I think you have to stay on your toes and there you have to have fun during this whole thing because if not, why the hell do it? Um, so, so yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of it. And um, like one of the things, one of the things that we just added to the website and we're, we're we're, we're, I say we, it's just me, by the way. Like I just, that's like weird. again delusion, but, um, something that we added to the website is we were getting a lot of comments of people being like, oh, can you post this video in Spanish? And I was like, oh, and then I would post it in Spanish. But I'm like, oh, I, my website is entirely in English. And if somebody wanted to show this to their parents, how would, how would they? And I was like, well, I don't have the money to like translate the whole, like then do a separate website. Like I can't do that. So now if you go to the website, you see like a little pop-up and it's like me in video form and it's an interactive video faq the like you know i i start talking and then you can click spanish please and i'll talk about my product in spanish and these these quick little videos but we added that based on customer feedback and i was trying to figure out the solution and the i actually got inspired by eat dough which is a raw vegan cookie dough company they they were on shark tank I was on their website because I love their style, and like the girl pops up, and I'm like, that is genius. So I did a video about how we were inspired by them and everything, but like, I didn't have that figured out. Somebody else did, and I just figured out a way to adapt it for my customer base, which was like Spanish was important to them. Um, so you know, be nimble, be humble, learn from others. Um, you know, have an open heart, and if you learn something from others, of course, give them give them credit. It just makes you a, a better founder in the space.
0: Thank you so much for a fantastic conversation. Tell us where we can find you online.
1: Of course, uh, our website is ilovechamoy.com. You can find us on Instagram at shopilovechamoy and on TikTok at ilovechamoy.
0: Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Not Rich Yet podcast. Hit the subscribe button to Spotify or Apple or whatever platform you normally listen on knows that you enjoyed this podcast, and so I know you enjoyed this podcast. Make sure you're keeping up with us on Instagram so you can be the first to know when a new episode airs. We also post some resources that you can use along your wealth-building journey. We're on Instagram as at notrichyetpod, and if you want to give me a follow too, I will not say no to that. I'm on Instagram as at thejasminsu, T-H-E-J-A-S-M-I-N-S-U. I do all the planning and sourcing and emailing and interviewing, but this podcast couldn't happen without a few extra hands. Not Rich Yet is produced by Ambiguous Podcast Solutions and edited by Will Tarashock, founder of Ambiguous Podcast Solutions and the founder of Will ET Productions. I'm your host, Jasmine Suckerman, and I'll be back with more next week.